0: And everything we do is done with a social impact in mind. Our mission is to work with these families who are struggling with their mortgage in order to find sustainable solutions that oftentimes other lenders are not willing to consider.
1: This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor, man. Hey, Simple Passive Cashflow Nation. This is George Newberry, again, doing another webinar. A few years later, we met What back in 2016. I've been investing in AHP um, since then. Um, I've got about enough money to put in there to get my car payment paid for me for the last three years. So thanks, thanks for that, George.
0: You're welcome. I hope you're enjoying the car.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's been a couple cars, but the money keeps coming in every month <laughs> to pay for that. Um, so we are going to be talking about HP servicing and the, um, you guys are buying some new notes and Correct. reopening the fund to new investors. So this is a Reg A plus offering, which also includes non-accredited investors and accredited investors. And we can mass market this since you uh, have the right filing um, created. But I'll let you uh drive from here, and if anybody has questions, they can type it into the question and answer box, and we'll go from there.
0: Absolutely, and and so I'm gonna go through about eight slides, just kind of give everyone, <clears throat> anyone who's new, a history of HP, and uh, also for the, and then provide some updates and our uh, visions for the future, uh, especially for those who are existing investors and already know. So. Uh, and Then at the end, any questions you have, I'm here to answer them all, and uh, and I appreciate your interest. Just to correct a little bit on on Lane, I appreciate your introduction. Uh, the fund ha- has actually been reopened since November. Uh, this is the first time we're actually um, uh, reaching out, uh, raising awareness again uh, in order to, because we see a new, uh, we have a pool that we're trying to close next week, and there's a couple of other pools that we are working on for April. So we are trying to back into capital raising mode uh, on a a decent scale. So I appreciate the introduction again, uh, Lane. My name is George Newberry. I'm the founder and CEO of both American Homeowner Preservation and AHP Servicing. And I'll share a little bit about us. Uh, So American Homeowner Preservation, we started 12 years ago in 2008. Uh, We're a nationwide purchaser of non-performing mortgages, particularly those secured by homes in low to moderate income neighborhoods. Uh, Many a times we've discovered that the largest banks in Wall Street don't like to deal with the the lower balance loans, and they're more prone to selling those at margins that uh, we can generate good returns on. When we started buying loans, we were advised that we need to use a licensed uh, servicer to service our loans. And we went through, we started out with a company called uh, Resurgent Servicing. And then we went to uh, a company called Faye Servicing, which is here in Chicago. Then we went to FCI. Then we went to SN Servicing. Then we went to Home Servicing. Then we went to Land Home, BSI, Carrington. And every time I thought that this servicer will be the one that provides the service that matches what we're expecting. And every time we were disappointed. So in 2017, it was kind of like we have used every servicer. None of them has performed to our expectations. And we talked to other node investors and funds, and they shared, lamented about the same problems with their servicers, that they're just not that great. So the Thought was we needed to become, or we decided to become HP, create our own servicer. It's AHP servicing, it's a nationwide mortgage servicer, and we service loans, both those loans that are owned by AHP as well as loaned loans owned by third parties. We have uh, dozens of third-party clients. And when we service, we still are executing the same vision we had originally, which is to treat homeowners to treat homeowners with respect. And to, especially in lower moderate-income neighborhoods where many a times Wall Street kind of um, neglects uh, the needs or the customization uh, of workouts uh, for them, we've strived to deliver solutions that homeowners find very favorable, but that also generate solid returns for investors. And uh, over the years, we've keep kept thousands of homes in their home. Thousands of homeowners in their homes. We put thousands of vacant homes back into service. We've extinguished hundreds of millions in e- negative equity, and today millions of dollars annually are being saved by homeowners on their payments as a result of HP's intervention. Uh, here's the timeline. Oh yeah. well, let we me started. let mm-hmm. me kind of just, just so we don't lose any investor.
1: Sure. You know what? So what George and his team does is they buy mostly non-performing notes. So we all, those of us who are homeowners, you know, you have a mortgage and that is paper. So investors can actually sort of buy that paper from the bank who originates that paper. In some cases, I don't know how much percent of the time they go non-performing. The the person is sort of naughty and doesn't pay their bills and it turns into a non-performing note. And that is where someone like George can go and buy them in huge lots. I mean, how much is this next lot you're going to buy? Like, I many
0: million? This, 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 yeah, it's a few million dollars, but it's higher value home. So it's 27 loans, uh, totaling about $8 million in debt.
1: So they're going to buy it at a huge discount. And what George does with his service, you heard that word earlier, servicing company, the servicers are the ones who call the homeowner and say, Hey man, you know, you're, you're behind on your payments. What's going on? You know, can we come to work on an agreement? Since we bought it at a discount, there might be some margin for, um, you know, keep you in that home and you maybe be lower your payments or work something out. So it's kind of a win-win situation all the way around. And we're also, you know, investors
0: in the fund, of course they get theirs too. So That's, Great. I appreciate uh, Lane. You sharing that. Sometimes it, I get in the thick of this and I, I forget it. People don't realize a lot of thing. Uh, a lot of people. It's difficult to imagine initially that you know somebody owes Chase Bank a hundred thousand dollars and Chase Bank decides to sell that loan for fifty thousand dollars for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and that's not uncommon. Now the question is, what happens to the other fifty thousand? It's still due from the homeowner, but Chase has written it off, It's it's gone to them. Uh, and now we bought it for 50,000 and we can, if the homeowner wants to stay, we can uh, provide a modification uh, that oftentimes can reduce the principal, can forgive some of the delinquency, reduce the uh, the mortgage payment and still generate a good return because we bought it for 50 when they really owed 100. Uh, and the same is if they don't wanna stay the home, in the home or it's already vacant, we try to track them down and offer them cash for a deed in lieu, and when we get that, then we sell the property. And you know, if we're buying, they owe a hundred, and we're buying it for fifty. It's probably worth ninety. Uh, you know, the home's worth ninety, so actually, more commonly, they owe hundred and fifty. It's worth hundred, and we're buying it for fifty. So the discounts are pretty substantial, uh, and and that's because people. Banks are looking at it, okay, if we spend a year or more to foreclose on this and spend all these legal fees and taxes and other holding costs, those are going to cost us this plus time and effort. It's better just to take some, take those losses now and reduce it and, uh, and sell it to AHP or any of the other number of funds that, that buy these types of loans. Now, to give you the history, when we started in 2008, we were actually a nonprofit organization. We received our uh, 501c3 from the IRS. We... Would advocate one by one for the homeowner with their different lenders, and we discovered that the lenders and the servicers were not quick to resolve uh, these loans, not quick to respond to requests. Oftentimes, it was requests that were very fa- provided favorable outcomes for the lenders, so that led to us uh, becoming a for-profit and deciding to buy these mortgages, so then we could control it. So the banks regularly uh, sell mortgages, oftentimes in large pools, and it could be banks, hedge funds, other lenders and they'll sell those loans to us, and then we we would buy the loans and then reach out to the homeowners through our servicer. And uh, initially, we started a hedge fund, it was accredited investors only, it was Reg B, um, fairly simple to set up, and we would raise money from friends and family. We couldn't advertise, we couldn't even really speak to the media. And that's what we did initially. And that went well, but when I heard about crowdfunding in 2013. I said that's a great way to expand our audience, so we started using five hundred six C, which allows us to generally solicit and essentially market the um, the offering, go on Lane's podcast, Simple Passive Cash Flow, and and share the opportunity freely. And we started doing that in two thousand and thirteen. But there was one big restriction: was that even though we could tell everybody about what we're doing, and market our fund we could only accept investments from accredited investors. And we had a lot of non-accredited investors come to us, and they would sometimes even show up in our office with good-sized checks, and we could not accept it. So that was frustrating. and, uh, and But when we heard about Regulation A+, which allows us to crowdfund from not only accredited and non-accredited, credited, we promptly engaged an attorney to go through the SEC qualification process, and in 2016, we were the 16th company in the country to raise money utilizing Regulation A+, plus, opening this to non-accredited investors. Uh, that grew a lot. In our first month of operation, this is the 2015 a plus fund we raised about half a million dollars by the 24th month because the sec allows you to to raise money for 24 months the 24th month we raised over 10 million dollars so in one month so it went from 500 thousand to 10 million dollars in two years so it grew grew and grew uh this was so that fund closed 2015 a plus closed in uh in may of 2018 and that was the fund that i joined in initially
1: that's um, when we first that's... met lane correct and i've been investing ever since and i just want to say that that the reg a plus offering is really cool because now you can bring in non accredited investors and as you were a non accredited investor at one time george i mean mm-hmm. you can how do you get yourself how do you get yourself over a 1 million dollar net worth when you're investing in <laughs> garbage investments right like and that's the frustrating part and you're not allowed to invest in most deals
0: until you are and no, it's, it's very frustrating. It, it's a, uh, and especially today, think about how low the interest rates are uh, today. If you go to the bank, you know, they're going to offer you on a savings account, something 1% and point, one point something of that. Uh, and so it's a very, uh, it becomes very frustrating. So you can save and make very, very little. And there's other other investments open to non-accredited investors, but they're typically lower yielding. And uh, And you're right, it's tough to get ahead with that. So reggae A is, is definitely something we've embraced, uh, and we, in fact, did our second Regulation A-plus offering, which uh, launched in November 2018, and that was uh, for AHB servicing. This one was a little bit different than 2015 A-plus in that it had two purposes. One was to do what we had, have always done, which is to purchase non-performing loans at big discounts. But the second thing we were doing with the money that we raised was to build out a nationwide a mortgage servicer and uh, that's what we've endeavored to do. We're still working on it uh, And uh, there's still a couple of states as we'll get to a little bit later that we're um, Working on approval on and then finally I, I want to share and I'll share a little bit later more details But this this last week we launched a new product Which is called pre reo, which is a platform to connect local investors with holders of defaulted mortgages secured by bacon properties in order to help address the Problem uh, of these vacant properties that are oftentimes sitting in limbo, uh, and we've provide we've come up with a, a solution that uh, appears to be um, getting some traction with some of the larger uh, funds, and I'll share a little bit on that in a few moments. Uh, so right now, here's the let's talk about the national servicers. So. As with many entrepreneurial activities, or pursuits, you know we did not think it would take as long as it has to get this going. Uh, the servicing portion, and also so it's costing more and taking more costing more money and taking more time. So here's the big advantages to being a national servicer. One is as an investor in mortgages, we can much better control the disposition of our assets. We can act nimbly and fast and uh, to move things along. Uh, the other uh, move things along towards a resolution. Uh, the other way, the other big advantage is the ability to generate fee income. So we are, this is an operating business. We're, we're charging fees to service loans for other funds and other uh, mortgage holders, and we charge fees for doing that. And that fee income is there whether it's a, we're in a down market uh, or an up market. So if things are going bad in the real estate market and prices are declining and there's a lot of defaults we charge fees. If the market is increasing and it's tough to buy loans like it is today with good margins, and uh, you know the real estate market is strong like it is today, then we still charge fees. Every, every time any of us who have a mortgage is paying that mortgage, it's to a servicer typically, and that servicer is taking a modest fee, and, uh, but they do that times thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and even in some cases, millions of loans, and that's how the mortgage servicer Uh, make money so our challenges so far have been the licensing process which we started in mid 2017 is taking longer than expected we're now licensed in 48 states plus Puerto Rico the only two outstanding licenses are California and New York and those are both in process we believe we're near the end of those um, that process in both states but it's still Um, I wish it were today. I'm hoping it's going to be in the next 30 to 60 days. Uh, And this is a startup. We're a startup mortgage servicer with costs that are front loaded. We invest, we've signed a contract for almost a million dollars on our servicing technology and a number of other personnel costs um, that, uh, and other vendor costs in order to get this set up. So it is costing more and taking more time than expected. But the upside is, we have a management team that we've attracted some of the top talent in the industry. The most recent hire started this week. He just came from Goldman Sachs, and so people are leaving. Much bigger companies to join HP because they they believe in the vision and they can see a roadmap where this company is uh, very successful. Uh, we are transitioning to Black Knight servicing technology. This should go live next month in April, uh, and one of the the impetus for this is some of the larger I should say most of the largest servicers in the country are using Black Knight uh, technology now. It's cost it was cost prohibitive when we started, uh, but it's something that we've found is essential to us going forward if we want to scale as a servicer, because many of the biggest funds in the country are using servicers that have Black Knight, they've built different integrations with Black Knight, Uh, even the regulators prefer Black Knight just because it's something that they're familiar with. So we made the decision to to move to Black Knight and getting uh, those final two state approvals should open up. uh, We should be able to get a lot of larger funds to say, we're going to service with AHP. Uh, the other component to growing is getting government approvals. So we don't just service these distress loans like we've historically been doing, but we can also uh, service loans backed by the VA, FHA, Fannie, and Freddie. So we did recently get our VA approval. So we can now purchase, and I'm sorry, we can now service and purchase loans that are backed um, by the VA. But, and we're also working on getting the same uh, designation for FHA, Fannie Mae, and Freddie Mac. Uh, Finally, in December, we were uh, designated a minority-owned business, and that is going to, uh, that should also help get additional government contracts, plus uh, many banks, like Chase, for instance, have uh, mandates to award some of their business to minority-owned firms, so we believe that will also be helpful in our plans to grow. So ingredients to growth, there are two big ones. One is those two final states, I need to get California, I need to get New York, we're really focused on that, and we need to get the blacklight technology fully in, uh, implemented, that should happen uh, the 1st of April. And then the ingredients to grow big is to get those remaining government approvals. And then the, probably the biggest factor is, and what the original vision was, is that once we have the servicer fully set up, fully licensed everywhere, and a downturn hits, we will be extremely well positioned to um, both act as a servicer for third parties and buy more loans uh, and service those, and ultimately help more families. Uh, there's many competitors that service 40,000 to 100,000 loans. You know, the typical servicing fee ranges from 20 to 95 dollars. That's a big range. The reason for that. Is that twenty bucks? That's probably a loan, which is just making a payment on time every month. It's a performing loan. The ninety-five dollar loan would probably be one, or ninety-five dollar servicing fee would probably be applied to a loan that's in bankruptcy or has severe litigation. So that's the range of servicing fees. But it leads us to a goal where we can get to a hundred, a $1 million dollars in monthly gross servicing fee revenue uh, at some point in our future, uh, and that's that's what we're working towards, and that's why we're attracting the talent that we are, because we think we see a huge opportunity here. So so for those of us who are like
1: rental property owners, that $20 and $95, think of that as like the property managers take, usually they'll take like 10% of the gross revenue. They'll also take half a month, a full month's rent of a new lease up fees too. So don't forget about that. But (laughs) is that like, is there a certain percentage that normally is of the mortgage they bring in or...
0: The, uh, so lots of times on government loans, for instance, it's 25 basis points. So if the mortgage is, um, you know, $100,000, they're probably getting $25, $25 per month on that loan. Uh, as an example, uh, with distressed loans, there's usually no monthly payments. So it's typically just a, a set fee, which could be you know, often 40 to $95. So that, that's what we see as the opportunity. You know, we, we've served with, um, I mean, we currently, in New York, for instance, we have loans that we own in New York, but we can't service them ourselves, so we use a third party, which is called the SN Servicing. Our understanding from them is they service about forty thousand loans, and uh, and then face Servicing is in our building. We understand that they service over a hundred thousand loans. So it's definitely um, a it's definitely a bit, uh, a business that's always there, can always generate income, and the fact that this downturn is ever elusive because a year ago I was thinking, oh, it's going to turn soon, it's going to turn soon, and it hasn't really turned. Uh, This enables us to, in that interim, generate uh, fee income. And so, here's another um, another as we talk about fee income. HP 2015 A Plus purchased a lot of loans in that were backed um, by that were first mortgages backed by vacant homes, particularly in judicial foreclosure states. And this would be a state like New York, where it could take two to three years to foreclose, even if nobody's fighting the foreclosure. It's just the process takes forever, so there's a lot of incentive to find the borrower and make a deal, but sometimes that can't happen. The borrower may have passed away. The um, There may be a second mortgage, which doesn't want to make any kind of settlement deal, so you have to complete the foreclosure to get title of the home. Uh, it could be a divorce. Both parties don't, don't agree, so any of those situations leave these vacant homes sitting in states, it could be New York, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, Florida. uh, There's many other judicial foreclosure states where it's going to take a year plus to foreclose. and uh, This is a big problem for for us and for other lenders. Uh, They will get uh, requests from the city to cut the grass, shovel the snow, Mm -hmm. uh, board up the property, do a registration, uh, vacant property registration, on the property, the property could be subject to vandalism or other deterioration. So we have been scratching our head about how do we get a better solution to the these mortgages. And we instead of just going through the foreclosure process when we can't make a deal with the homeowner, and we came up with the concept of pre-REO. And pre-REO is a um, site that just went live last week. It has some test a- has some a- real live assets on it. We've already actually sold a few. And what we're doing is we're trying to. Connect lenders such as ourselves with local investors fix and flip rehab buyers real estate investors Like you probably have many in your audience and they can buy um, These assets and they're what they're doing is they're buying a first mortgage, but we provide them a roadmap to do a, f- a few things that um, Are unusual one is to work with the law firm to appoint a receiver to take control of the property repair it and lease it during the foreclosure process and that is something where instead of that asset, that first mortgage, the mortgage holder having to pay taxes, insurance, and other carrying costs, and be at risk for um, for vandalism and things like that, they can simply sell it at a price that's attractive to them because they're eliminating all those costs and time. And it's also attractive to the real estate investor because they're probably buying an REO at 75% of what uh, what it would otherwise sell for as an REO. They're just getting it earlier in the process. And uh, the ability to go and get a court order by appointing a local real estate agent or property manager to become uh, to take control of that property and lease it is something that's unique and novel. And we've had a great response not from other funds about putting assets on there. Right now, there's a couple of hundred loans on there, uh, mostly ones that we own. We expect in 30 days there to be over a thousand assets all over the country, uh, and. And the ones that are on there now are mostly low to moderate income neighborhoods, because those are mostly ours. As we reach out, there's a lot of other lenders who have much higher value assets, assets in California and the West Coast, which we don't have many of, that will soon be going on there. Think about the fix and flip lenders. A lot of the fix and flip lenders are getting a a lot of defaults. So we're pitching people to get their servicing, but also to offer those assets through uh, pre-REO. Now, fee income, uh, pre-REO is owned by... HP 2015 a plus and it is um, We charge a $2,000 program fee uh, for every asset is sold So once again fee income which should be there whether our ability to invest in uh, distressed mortgages is uh, is there or is not there we should be able to generate income from From endeavors such as this so I encourage you I gave a lot in about two minutes uh, and that it's a fairly I guess it's it's a fairly detailed concept, but I encourage people to go to pre especially if you're a real estate investor. And if there's nothing in your state, like California or Hawaii, then you can create an alert. As soon as there are assets in there, then you will be notified. Now this investment, now we're back to investing in AHP servicing and, and Lane has touched on a few of these things, is why invest? Uh, again, we're open to accredited and non-accredited investors. The minimum entry point, the minimum investment is one hundred dollars. This is un- you're investing in a business. You're investing in HP Servicing, which is uncorrelated to the market. We collect fees in a down market and an up market. Uh, investors get their share of profits first, up to ten percent. Uh, liquidity: if you need your money back, uh, we will uh, undertake our best efforts to liquidate the investment and get your money back within thirty days. Big big asterisks on that, though. If you if you uh, Actually, the slide's a little wrong here, so I'll correct it. If it's liquidated in the first year, the returns are reduced to 8%. In the second year, they're reduced to 9%. If you keep the money in the fund for at least two years, then you get to keep the full 10%. And everything we do is done with a social impact in mind. Our mission is work with these families who are struggling with their mortgage in order to find sustainable solutions that oftentimes other lenders are not willing to consider. and so the investment right now, if you were to invest, we're going to be using those funds for our next uh, purchase, which the one we're working on right now is has an acquisition price of just over four million. And here are the numbers that may kind of um, make this more tangible. On that, that four point one million dollars will be used to buy twenty seven loans. The average debt is three hundred thirty one thousand uh, dollars. The total debt is eight point nine million. The we're buying those loans. For the 4.1, which equates to roughly $154,000 per loan, Uh, the home values here average $272,000, and uh, the total estimated home values is 7.3. So think about that: we're buying it for 4.1. The families owe 8.9, and the estimated value of their homes are 7.3. So that gives you—you know—we're buying it at uh, three million plus less than what the homes are worth you know four million dollars plus less than what they currently owe so we have a lot of flexibility when we go to these homeowners to try to make deals that uh, are attractive to them and if they don't we can't make a deal with them then uh, we can go ahead and proceed with a foreclosure or sell it on prioriocom and still make a realize a good return so that is uh the current focus and again we're working on a couple of other opportunities for uh next month uh this one we're trying to close next week uh mid-march uh the next two we're trying to close in april and we'll share details as that those come closer to closing if you decide to invest you can go to ahpservicing.com you can invest without any um you can invest all online. The process is all automated. Uh, with the exception of IRAs, we do accept IRA investments. You can start the investment online, but then we'll have to do some of the process off the platform. And we'll, one of our representatives will get in contact with you to do that. Uh, so that is what we're offering now. So uh, so with I mean, this,
1: these deals, it's a little bit different like portfolio you bought in the past. Normally, you're kind of Slumming it with fifty, a hundred thousand dollar houses, right? This, this is a lot better paper, a lot cleaner assets.
0: I would agree. It's an odd right now. We, yeah, let me backtrack for a moment. Right now, we're not competitively bidding, so we will find uh, if we're just bidding against other people, it doesn't really work that well because so many people are willing to pay more than we are at this point in the in the market. However, we are looking for relationship type deals. This was brought to us. It's a uh, modestized deal brought to us by one of our, our partners. And uh, it's, it was backed by these higher value homes. So it definitely makes sense. We've done these before. But you're right. Typically, they're much lower value homes. Uh, but this one, the discounts are still there, even with the higher value. So I think it makes a lot of sense.
1: Yes, yeah, so like what, $0.50, 50 cents on every dollar is it for these nicer
0: stuff? Exact. Well, yeah, they're usually trading at fifty to sixty cents. Sometimes even even um, even more in today's market. So on the on like the
1: lower class stuff, like the 50, 100 huh. grand, there. What's like the average? Like thirty cents on the dollar. It's, it
0: used to be around thirty cents, and then it creeped up to forty. But now some of those those are even trading in the fifties. Um, and that's uh, if there's big issues with it, it can drop down to the forties. But you they're just not that many left anymore that are. Um, that we can see at those types of um, of price levels, you know, to come back, but it's just not there today. Right.
1: So what George is trying to do here is he p- picks these properties up at fifty cents on the dollar. He turns around, he gives the homeowner a call and says, "Hey, man, let's make a deal. Let's try and keep keep you in the house. Maybe we can lower your your payment." There's obviously a lot of room for um, negotiation here. Um, obviously, they don't know how much George picked it up for, so he has the cards in his favor. Um, but any, um, anything can say, like, what, what, what's like the average situation one of these guys are in, you know, like what's, it could be anyone from losing a job, a divorce, a death in the family. Um, like how, how late are they behind? Like. What's the kind of the profile?
0: Yeah, it's oftentimes a year or more behind. So many of these are severely delinquent. They didn't just fall behind a couple of months ago. They're severely delinquent. And uh, most of these will be in those judicial foreclosure states where it takes a while to foreclose, which is why the lender is uh, is looking to sell them at, at a decent-sized discount.
1: And do you have an indication, like a guess, like how many of these people you can keep in their houses and how many just you're just going to have to unload?
0: Yeah, sure. Good question. Uh, my guess is we'll probably end up. Historically, we've kept about a third of the families in their homes. You know, originally when we thought when we conceived this, we thought that everyone would want to stay in their homes. That was, uh, I think, maybe overly optimistic. Maybe a third in reality, about a third of the people end up staying in their homes. Maybe a third will give us uh, take cash for deed and Lou. and there's going to be a third that nothing can um, that there's no resolution except to uh, to proceed to a foreclosure. So that that's the uh that's the offering i uh, it's certainly open to any are you asking questions or is there like a chat um, there's a chat so if you guys want to type your questions in the
1: chat we can answer it there there's uh, one in there but I've got a few questions um, please that I had so a lot of a lot of um, investors that invested in the first fund, you know, they kind of saw some personnel changes they saw you leave for a little bit and mm-hmm. then come back like a shining knight like <laughs> howard schultz did at starbucks steve jobs um, yeah can you kind of talk a little bit about like
0: kind of what went, what went down and um sure. some of the lessons so, learned yeah good good question so uh we hired a replacement uh i stepped back when we started the service, or I had never started a mortgage servicer and I had a tendency and I and which I try to control now but which is to micromanage a bit I'm very driven to to make do to see everything done as well as possible and, and it's tough to sign step back and say well someone else can probably do this better uh, and so in 2017 I started interviewing for a replacement, for me. And, uh, that person, I wanted somebody who had a lot of experience, um, with in the servicing industry and could come in and help set it up and set it up. Right. And I did find somebody, uh, they came from, she came from, um, a large local bank called WinTrust bank and joined us and did, and I stepped aside and she she did a good job building out the foundation for a real I said real company, but we've always been a real company, but a, a company that we can scale into a large national mortgage servicer, which means that we need to have a um, top level, <coughs> excuse me, top level managers and then, you know, a, 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 who can build a, build and run a, successfully a team. And so Deanne came in and she did a good job at um, building out the infrastructure for the servicer. Uh, what I think was a little bit of a disconnect was the... Um, the types of assets that we historically purchased, which are these severely distressed loans in um, low-term monarchy neighborhoods, which is oftentimes, um, it's tougher to drive, create processes around them. It can be done, but there's still a lot, some customization that's necessary in order to reach resolutions. Uh, and I think that was a little bit of a disconnect. Uh, so in July of last year, I came back in as the uh, as the CEO, and, you know, I I kept some of the management team that she had, uh, kept most of the management team. Uh, we changed some of the other personnel and I've continued to build out the management team and have attracted, um, a lot of top people in the industry over the last six months have, have joined the team as we kind of map our vision. Uh, but it was, there was a disconnect and, and what, you know, the, the evidence of the disconnect was that the, uh, you know, our returns, uh, had dropped, uh, from, you know, I, in late 2017, we were in, uh, earned over 40 percent in in 2017 and then in in 2018 you know the they had re- the returns had dropped to the single digits and that that was probably the uh the result of a couple things uh and part of it is the market as i've shared the market has gotten more difficult to buy these at big discounts also uh i'm very i'm comfortable taking modest risks and i even say more than modest risks on these loans, uh, and I think it needs somebody to be comfortable making decisions with a portion of the information rather than all the information. And so, when you wait for all the information to be in front of you, and you say, "Hey, I'm ready to do this trade. It's a good trade. I've I've verified that." By the time you do do all that research, lots of times the opportunity is gone. So you need to make decisions. In my experience, to succeed and 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 reach and achieve above market returns, you need to make decisions with most of the information available. So I'll give you an example. A couple months ago, another servicer called and said, hey, we have this opportunity, but you got to close in five days. And here's the information. And it was clearly a great deal, but most other funds or investors in these will not be ready to close in five days because it's just, not, it's just too fast to move. They're not able to get all the reports and check all the boxes that they would normally do. And so I think prior management would have had a challenge getting that deal done. Now that deal clearly made a lot of sense. We did it. And uh, into HP servicing, so we'll can. So we look for those opportunities, especially because today's market is it's difficult to find these types of deals. So again, we're not competitive bidding; we're a bit we're doing relationship trades, and we're focused on building out the servicer. I mean, maybe talk a
1: little bit more about that relationship thing because we we've purchased a couple two three buildings from the same seller, and uh-huh. it's nice to know when you buy from the same seller, you know. It, you kind of know what level of skeletons are in the closet there's always skeletons but maybe from like the, the note perspective like things that you don't really need to do full due diligence because maybe you have that relationship with the the seller and absolutely
0: hope- I, I agree it's the same thing in notes you know somebody calls and you've done business with them before they're an established company that you have a relationship with you know they're going to tell you they, they're going to share what they know about the assets good and bad and you know we've had a bank call us, uh, and this is a few years ago, but they called and said, hey, we had a couple times this happened where they'd sell, call it 100 loans and to some bigger fund. And at the end of the trade, that fund says, hey, these 10 loans, we don't want them. And we're going to kick them out of the trade. So they're kickouts. And then somebody will call us and say, hey, you got you, you can buy these, great pricing, but you got to close in three days, two days. And, uh, and doing that and being nimble will be a... Um, that's where you can get the best deals. Absolutely. And, uh, so, and then, but the only way you can do that comfortably, like you said, is to have a relationship. So there's somebody who you, who you have a relationship with, whether it's a company or person and you trust them and they bring you something and you can take it at face value and then do some modest due diligence to be comfortable with it. Then you can go ahead and pull the trigger and, and, uh, and for the seller, I mean, I've been on both sides of this. When you need to sell or you have a problem, and I'll give an example. We'll have a, a home in New York, for instance, and the code enforcement says, hey, we need to get this home fixed up right away. And you know, we get a bid from some contractor, which is $40,000 to do the fix up. And we're saying, you know, we, we own the mortgage. We don't want to put $40,000 into the fix up. But if we can sell that loan to a local um, note buyer who can buy the loan. Under, can talk to the city and say I'm going to take care of this. They probably can do it for half the price that we can. We're in Chicago, they're in New York, and uh, so you see the, those situations that they can close fast and they can meet with the city face to face. They have a big advantage over us, and I'll sell to them that you know they'll buy from us. So we can do those things uh, very rapidly.
1: A couple other questions that came up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe through the last year, everybody was asking in my Facebook group, like, hey, man, when when is the H going to reopen? And I'm like, well, there's just nothing that they can make a profit that their margin of profit on. That's why they're not buying anything, because the economy is going well. (laughs) Um, Maybe can you talk a little bit about like, you know, when the inevitable recession happens, if it happens ever? How how does your guys' strategy work in a more of a recession-type environment?
0: Sure. So our strategy would would work very well. We work actually better. Um, We're at our best, I think, in a downturn uh, where uh, things are going wrong and banks and other lenders are unloading assets uh, and there's more... Uh, sellers and there are buyers and we've been in that market when we first started buying it was like that but over the last few years it's changed and it's gone so there's more buyers than there are sellers and that results in higher pricing uh, so we stopped raising money last May uh, and the reason we did is because we were being very successful raising money but we weren't deploying it fast enough and here's you know that that's a big drag has been a drag on our last two years of returns is when you have money sitting you know, in the bank or in escrow and not deployed earning money, then that's a problem. Uh, and so that has drag returns right now. I'm comfortable running with a very low, um, cash amount. I mean, right now we have probably several hundred thousand in the bank, but you know, I'm okay as, as it goes down, whereas others may want, Hey, we want a minimum of, of a million or whatnot, but it does, there's always money coming in and going, um, you know coming coming in from different dispositions and ideally it's going out to to purchases uh and I've lined up a few purchases over the next few months that I think will um, you know, be helpful to 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 us and we have to make sure the pricing on the other two works uh, like we hope but there are um you know having money in the bank so when when I first came back in in July, I think there was about eight million dollars that was uh sitting there undeployed uh and you know we're having to pay um Investors' returns on that. So that, that was not an ideal situation. Yeah, so they, they get, get their percent
1: return regardless, right? They yeah, they their,
0: exactly. So that's costly to our fund. Uh, and we've had, um, you know, right now that's remedied uh, and, you know, that should not recur. What, what's, what's
1: your, what is like the band that you like to stay between, like a percentage wise of cash reserves? Or is this like a magic number you try and the- stay around?
0: There's no magic number. I try to keep it very low, though. I mean, in, in the hundreds of thousands, I prefer to go down to 50,000 or something like that because I know there's always money coming in, you know, you know selling REO or some payments or something like that. Um, but, you know, I guess there's something to be said for keeping a little bit more for when you get those emergency opportunities. Um, but, you know, there's no magic number. Uh, but I, I would say today it probably fluctuates between a couple hundred thousand and several hundred thousand in terms of money uh, on, on the sidelines. And that's, uh, we just try to deploy it. Uh, deploy promptly.
1: And then um somebody typed a question to the Q and a box here. I don't know if you can see it. Um, so, after looking at recent filings and audited financials, I noticed a large loss in the age proof servicing fund due to personal costs and other expenses. How are dividends being covered during that um, that time? Sure. Um, so maybe we- maybe you can also like talk about like how these guys can go pull the the audited financials themselves to.
0: Sure. So we don't have our audit for 2019 done yet, uh, but we do have. It is posted for 2018, and it's both on our site on HP Servicing. It's also on SEC on the Egger system, and plus we do have financials that are unaudited through June of 2019 that are also filed on um, with the SEC on the, um, and I believe they're on our site as well. The audit for 2019 is in motion. Should be done sometime next month. April, um, you know, also, you know, the next question the investor will have is one of my K one's coming out and we're trying to get all those out um, by next week. Uh, so that, but the question about personnel costs is that we, um, I mean, this is front loaded. This is a startup. We have attracted a lot of talent and that talent costs money. And that's really what I think is going to drive us as a business going forward, the servicer, the costs we're still generating, uh, Hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in, or hundreds of thousands of dollars in servicing fees. So there's a lot of um, servicing fees being, that were generated last year. And the, um, and that money is used in part to pay personnel costs, but those personnel costs and those other fixed costs, our office, our technology, all those are at a certain level today. And we have a few thousand loans. Now, once we, um, you know, get to 5,000 or 10,000 loans, then those costs should, will probably increase, but modestly, whereas the income should increase significantly, and that's almost like any business. Uh, so that is right now, that question, and it's a, it's a good question, but that's because we're paying a full team, a full management team and other, other support staff, even though we don't ha- we're not at the level where we need to be in terms of, um, in terms of generating the, the growth servicing fees that we expect to generate uh, later this year.
1: And this is what sponsor creep is called guys. This is when an an operator gets more and more institutional and more reliable, (laughs) but you know, the, the margins go down and you know, like this is not 2015 anymore. George is not giving 12% a year. Everybody thought that was a little crazy, but that's what you do. in the
0: Yeah. It's a transition. Uh, So we had a, um, I mean when in the different market it was easy to pay 12%. Now we're paying 10%. I think you know we're work, we're envisioning the next fund which will probably be later this year uh which will probably be something significantly lower. I think it'll probably be in the 6 uh, 6 or 7% range and uh that's just two two factors there as we're maturing as a company and it also is the you know the environment today it's tough to deploy and, and earn the the double digit returns like we used to as easily and also it's um also, just the market. I mean, the the, the rates keep dropping, and you know, it should be competitive. We think to offer six or seven percent on our on our next offering. But right now, the current offering is ten percent. That's going to going to stay, and uh, and we'll continue to, yeah. to pay it. So if you guys are, you know, back in the
1: day, a few years ago, when you guys were paying 12%, how mo- you guys were making, what, about 40% return on investment?
0: We we did. And, and you can check back on our prior audited financials. In 2016 audit, and 2015 A+, we earned over 39%. In 2017, we earned over 40%. So those were just extraordinary returns, uh, great years. Uh, you know, then, as you can see, we we grew and we institutionalized, and the returns dropped. And there's many reasons for that. Uh, and we right now, my target is to get uh, get us back into the high teens or maybe low twenties. I don't think in as long as current market conditions continue, that we are going to be able to get back into the thirties and forties on any kind of scale in the um, in the foreseeable future until there's another downturn, and then it you know becomes plausible. I think H P is
1: a great way to kind of dip your toe into more of an institutional fun getting there, and. Um, Monthly payments are great for uh, if you have a reluctant spouse. They, they get that you get that instant feedback in terms of liquidity. As George said, you can sort of take the money in and out as um, as they allow. But I would say like this is not a bank account. You can't. This is a, a note fund that they need to they need their money to working in sort of illiquid assets. Um. And you guys try your best to to liquidate people, but I'll say say it, and maybe you can say it nicer after, George. No,
0: it's absolutely right. It's absolutely right. We try to redeem. You know, some makes it, I think we're current, all redemptions as of, uh, you know, probably through last week are redeemed. Uh, We're probably taking anywhere from two to four weeks on average to process redemptions. Uh, So we do our best efforts to do it within 30 days. But like you said, these are liquid assets. You know, we close the month. There's a lot of sales or closings on the last day of the month. You know, I think we distrib- we, we um, did a lot of process a lot of redemptions the early part of this week. So that's what there's a timing fluctuation. What we're not going to do um, is to sell assets just to meet redemptions. Uh, but a- again, we've been that we've been offering the redemptions uh, since we've been doing Regulation A plus, and uh, you know, I I think uh, we've done a pretty good job about keeping them. Um, Doing them as timely as possible. And when someone calls in and says, hey, I got a, I got a closing next week, I gotta get this money back, you know, we've always done our best to accommodate that. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I think in terms of like liquidity being able to take your money, um, if you run into an emergency, um, what you guys invest in with distressed notes with the huge margins and then the rate of return, I don't think you guys, you guys can be beaten um at this point. This sort of the goal of your, mm-hmm. this part of your, part
0: of your portfolio, um, yeah. Especially with the with the redemption, I mean, you touched on it. That makes it very attractive to people, and I, I know it started because because uh, uh, an investor said, "Hey, can you know I, I just sold a big apartment building. I don't have another place to put the money. Can I give it to you? But I need to know that if I give it to you, then or invest with you, then if I find another deal, I can get it back." And that was the genesis of of offering this. This thirty-day redemption um, request, best efforts, and uh, but we've done that. And I, I do see you touched on it. A few people will go in and out, in and out. You know, they're they're in for three months, they're out, and even if they take the the reduced return, you know, eight percent on the current fund, they're still thinking, well, that's much better than I'm going to do with the bank. So let me just do it. So that that's been a. Um, yeah, their,
1: their best alternative is, what, like 3 or 4% in a higher rewards checking account. Like, they don't care. <laughs> they don't. Exactly. At best. I, yeah, I think you should make that fee higher on the next one. <laughs> <That's> ah. <it. laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, just to close out here, George, I mean, like, kind of the story of how you came to, even before you did the huh. non-performing notes, maybe talk a little bit about that. And then, you know, if people want to check out the book and learn more about your story.
0: Yep. You know, why
1: I, is it that you're kind of helping people actually staying in their homes and resettle their debts?
0: Sure. So good question. I appreciate you bringing it up. And actually, Lane has, there's a great Simple Passive cash flow episode, or I've been told it's great. Um, I've listened to it myself. It's tough to critique myself. But the, uh, there was one that we did a few years ago when I first met you, Lane, which is, uh, I don't know what episode number it was, but it was a good episode. And uh, I don't know what questions you asked, but it became a little bit emotional. So this all started. Uh, HP was um, started when, in 2008. But several years before that, I was a a low-income housing developer. Basically, I buy the the most challenged properties in the country, and I try to turn them around. And generally, I had success. Uh, there was one property, which after I'd grown this to a nationwide portfolio of about 4,000 units, I bought one property of 1,100 units called Woodland Meadows in Columbus, Ohio. And it got hit by an ice storm, which triggered an extraordinary sequence of events. In which I lost everything and ended up 26 million dollars in debt and that uh, was all happened the storm happened in 2004 by 2006 was on five and six was when I was having my challenges so 2008 was when I started rebuilding and that's when I started AHP and I saw the opportunity in millions of families that were suffering their own woodland meadows situation in that they were underwater on their homes they were losing their jobs couldn't afford their payments and you know, I learned from my experience that by offering a uh, a solution that's not like send me your tax returns, let me see what kind of deal we can give for you. We we actually send letters to homeowners. We still do it today, where we say we own your mortgage. You owe a hundred thousand, but we'll take a discounted settlement of forty five thousand. Or your payment is eight hundred, we will drop it to five hundred. You owe twenty thousand in delinquent payments. We'll take two thousand. Uh, And if you make these concrete offers to people in distress, it's tangible they can say hey I can do that and they they respond instead of You know send your tax returns and paycheck stubs and all that stuff and they get in a dance Which many times they don't think that they'll get out of Uh, so that that's that informed us and I think is what gives us has continued to give us a big advantage even today as a servicer we employ many of those tactics for Not only the loans that we own but also loans that are owned by third parties. So the book is burn zones so i I wrote a book to explain everything um to investors about uh, potential investors and everybody else about you know what happened and uh it's called burn zones it's on amazon actually as a simple passive cash flow listener if you send uh lane your mailing address then he'll get that to us and we'll send you a free paperback copy of uh, of burn zones but check it out on amazon or um or request it from lane and, and we'll get your copy
1: and if you guys want to go back in the archives, podcast number 32, 34, listen to George talk about his uh, struggle from going $28 million in the hole and the fight to get back to even. Listen to a uh, grown man almost cry. Huh? Oh, no. It wasn't that <laughs> what bad. <you> say? <laughs> <It> wasn't that <laughs> bad. It
0: was, I don't know what you asked, but it turned out to be. A, I mean, it was a good. It, it touched on a few things that were. was yeah, a-
1: made, me, made me feel uncomfortable. I don't like emotion. Oh. No. <laughs> yeah, well, good thing we didn't do video back then. Yeah, do
0: agreed. That.
1: Yeah. All right, guys. Well, um, yeah, if you guys want that book, shoot me an email with your mailing address. And if you got any questions, um, first, check out the info page. I mean, we've probably done like three or four of these webinars like this at simplepassivecashflow.com slash AHP. But uh, if you guys want to invest, go to www.ahpservicing.com. And uh, anything else we missed, George?
0: No, I think that's it. That was uh, any, any questions people have, you know, reach out to us or, um, you know, email info at hpservicing.com or give us a call at 866 AHP team. And we're more than happy to answer uh, any questions you have. Uh, but we appreciate everybody's uh, support on an ongoing basis and new investors. You know, we, we hope that you uh, consider uh, investing with us. All right.
1: Thanks, George. Thanks, All right. everybody. Thanks, Lane. See you later.
0: Bye. Bye.